It's time for the Zookeeper Roadmap Podcast, where Joseph and Sheldon teach you everything they're learning on becoming zookeepers, and answer any questions any future zookeepers or marine mammal trainers have. And now, here are your hosts, Joseph and Sheldon. Hello and welcome to episode 6 of the Zookeeper Roadmap Podcast. I'm your host, Joseph, along with Sheldon. Hello. And today we are going to talk about a topic that I think we should talk about. And it pertains to both animals in the wild and and under human care. And that is respecting personal space for both wild animals and for animals under human care. You're good. Go ahead. I was going to sing a song, but I was like, (laughs) (laughs) R-E-S-B-E-C-T. I had, I saw the look in your, I saw that look in your eyes. Yes, but I think it's an important topic that we can all relate to and probably have all seen or which was probably preached about a bit more. But we'll dive into a little bit more and talk about um, our opinions or even our experiences with this and just how to make everything better and help out those who aren't educated in that. Yes. And we also have a special guest that will be joining us and that I will be interviewing later on so uh yes without further to do let's go ahead and get ready and buckle up those seat belts so i saw a video on this person trying to take a selfie with a wild bison now mm-hmm. I'm sure we all have seen this video. And or videos like this. <laughs> or videos like this, yes. And now I know everyone's probably thinking there is nothing wrong with that, but there is absolutely something wrong with that. And that is not respecting the animal's space, especially since this is a wild animal. And a lot of people try to do this, especially with aquatic animals too in the wild. They try to get that once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to where they can interact with that with any particular animal. We are trying to help educate those and let those know or let those people know that it's okay to appreciate nature, but appreciate it from afar. Respect it, too. Yes. In a way. Yeah. Because if uh, we don't respect that nature, it kind of... It messes up the whole ecosystem. Well, not only that. It endangers your lives, animals' lives, and everything else. Especially if the animal has a calf or a newborn 
animal is in that herd or group or pod or whatever, you're going to imprint on that animal's life at a young age, and it's just going to make that, make the parental, the parental animal upset and reject the young animal. That's definitely one example. Um, there are also other, many other things that can happen, not just with infants, but even adult animals. Um, but what Joseph is talking about, which some of you guys have seen or will see soon, is um, recently, I believe it was what, Yellowstone Park? I mean, if I'm wrong, probably Yellowstone. Yeah, I think it was Yellowstone. Of course, Yellowstone. So <laughs> if you guys up there have been in Yellowstone, you have either probably seen this before or part of this, but the classic, you know, bison self-fear really get that up close like, personal experience so this lady was very fortunate um, she was very close to a bison i think it was a bull a male and was trying to get that photo and he almost gored her um there are several several incidents of this and there's probably park rangers out there and people that are local that have probably seen this a thousand times have thousands of stories and there's been lots of incidents i'm sure if you google any bison incident at yellowstone there'll be probably, unfortunately, hundreds of pictures and incidents on that. And um, basically, it's just people not understanding boundaries, you know. Wild animals are wild animals. They're going to tell you that they're wild, you know. Just because they might live in a park doesn't mean that they're not wild, <laughs> especially a bison. Um, so even if they have a calf or even just an adult, like, you should still respect it. Um, unfortunately, you got a lot of people, tourists, people who just want that experience or don't really understand that nature is wild. Um, I say all the time, um, me and myself as a zookeeper, I used to get like really angry at these people and it's like, what are you doing? Why are you being stupid? But I'm like, now I understand. People want a connection and they don't quite understand that if you want that connection, that memory, how to do it. Like, for example, me every day seeing an alligator in Florida, it's like, okay, cool. But someone who has never been to Florida is an alligator, might not quite understand what they're doing. Um, animals communicate with their own body languages that a lot of people miss their cues on, as we've all talked about. Cues are really important. Um, animals give out really subtle cues to say, don't do this or go away. And not everyone's going to pick that up. And so when situations like that happen, yes, human lives are in danger, but more importantly, animal lives are in danger. Um, I don't think I need to say it anymore. You feed a wild animal. Is a bad chance, especially for alligators, that animals probably end up sick or probably dead or unfortunately destroyed because it becomes a danger to the public. Um, bears, really good example. Um, there's lots of bears out there that were fed by people or used to people and unfortunately had to be relocated or have worse situations happening. Um, so it's really important, like if you see someone doing it, it, we get it, it's angry, I understand. But you gotta remember, People don't understand. It's hard for people to understand that don't live there, don't under, you know, work with animals, or have never seen an animal. There's a lot of people that come to places and they kind of just lose everything. And they get that mindset, I got to get this perfect picture. You know, I've got to get up close. Like, I want to learn more. And it's, it's a hard slope. Like, I understand that, yeah, don't do that. You would think they wouldn't do that. You also have to think of what's going through their mind right now. Their mind's like, oh my God, I'm seeing this cool animal. I'm going to get up close because I don't know anything about it. I don't think it's dangerous. I'm not saying everybody's like that, but there's a lot of perspective of, I want that shot, you know, 
they see these people like on National Geographic get these really cool, awesome photos. They want this or they want to sell them and able to talk, talk back with their friends and family, bring back home a memory. Unfortunately, I use it brings to a memory in the hospital probably, you know, so you can see where I'm going at. So I definitely noticed that with a lot of things I've seen um, in zoos, in the wild. Uh, we had a recent situation, which I'll talk about a little later, uh, but it, it's hard that it, people, it's hard people to sometimes understand there's rules for a reason. Some people just want to test that rule. Some people think they're indestructible. Not everyone's like that, but I do encourage you, if you're out in the wild at a beach or a park, you see someone doing that, try to explain to them in a way that they'll understand. Like, you know, give them a reason like, hey, I get it, you want this cool photo, but let me tell you why you don't want this cool photo. Like, why we take it from like afar, very, or, very far, far away. Or especially if you're trying to help an animal, don't approach the animal call local authorities yes um, even if it's a stranded animal um, a stranded dolphin could still do some damage because it doesn't know who you are and could easily hurt you if you're trying to help it i mean and plus the average you could, dolphin be, being you could also be contributing to injuring that stranded animal yes or any animal you don't know it's just best to call someone who knows what they're doing um one thing I've learned a lot in the animal field is you can't use your emotions when you are working with animals. Like you have to put emotions aside. You have to think of what's best for the animal and what can you do to help without putting emotions in there. For example, the dolphin stuck on land. Yes, that really sucks. But you call someone to help instead of feeling bad and trying to do it yourself, you're probably going to help the animal a lot more by bringing someone's experience, you know. Or if you're training, you know what to do, then yes, act, you know. If it's something you can do safely, go for it. If you don't know anything about this and you don't know, it's best not to do it. Like, it's great you care. It's awesome that you want to help them, which is good. But having someone help out that can would help out a lot more, you know. But again, not everybody's like that. It's just, it happens. <laughs> don't have that dolphin tail moment where you're like Sawyer cutting the crab trap off of a dolphin. Well, that was a movie. Let's let's get that clear. It's a movie. <laughs> like, let's let's get that clear. Yeah, that was a movie. I mean, yes, it was a movie. Props to Clearwater, so <laughs> yeah. and SeaWorld for that rescue as well. Uh, how have you seen this in a zoological perspective? Well. Unfortunately, had an incident not too long ago um, at Bush Gardens, Tampa, which a lot of people have seen. It's been out there. Um, there was a man who decided it was really cool to jump into the habitat where our alligators are in the front of the park and film it and get up close. Um, the man is safe. He did not get injured. The alligator did not get injured. But that whole situation just brings up the whole, you know, respect when you're at a, a public place in zoo and aquarium. Like, there's barriers for a reason. One is to protect you from the animals. But I think it's also more important to protect the animals from you. Um, that is a hard thing I'm seeing a lot in zoos and aquariums that they want to build an experience where you don't have to look through a fence. Like they want you to see the animal with a cool perspective, get up close, but it's also the amount of safety involved. Like it's hard to maintain, like we want people to get that cool shot, get up close to animals, but it's hard for them because uh, animals are very dangerous. Even animals you think are dangerous can be dangerous. <laughs> I will speak for myself. Like I work with ring-tailed lemurs. They're cute. They're amazing. 
However, they're still wild and they can still be pretty dangerous. So even though I work with them, I still respect them because I know they could easily hurt me. Um, but this man, he did jump in with the alligators. He did get close and there were situations. So we've seen it a lot, you know, Harambe, the gorilla uh, situation. I was about uh, to say, Pittsburgh I was about to mention some of those experiences that yes. turned tragic. Yes, and some of these are pure accident, like the boy falling in with Rambe. It was an accident, but it's just things we have to keep in mind. Like, it's a hard slope of animal interaction, getting that experience, building that connection with people. And it's also about protecting them, but it's also about people just having to be mindful. If you see a zookeeper doing something, that's their job. It doesn't mean you do it, you know? Animals react very differently, and I have seen this multiple times when working with them. They act very differently towards someone they know as opposed to somebody they don't know. And it can be just something very simple as someone taking a step forward to set an animal off into a very bad way. Um, so, you know, I just hopefully no one ever has to experience that. I would tell you at first, it's very scary. It's very stressful. I mean, your concern is obviously human safety, but also your animal safety, because unfortunately, as you guys have probably seen, if things go wrong, unfortunately, animal is probably the one that's going to lose out the most in that situation. So it's just some things I've seen. And I know, Joseph, you even know about that incident where that man went to the elephant hab in San Diego Zoo. Oh, with goodness. Child, which was I... Uh, I have no words on that. Yeah, and it's like, it's something like I just think needs to be mentioned more, like just respecting like rules, you know. There are barriers for a reason. Yeah, I was about to say, know. there's barriers for a reason. There's barriers, there's rules, there's reason things are done this way. You know, people are like, always sometimes ask me, like, can I come over? Can I get closer? And I have to explain to them, like, I would love to, but no. Especially if it's a, especially if the animals are trying to get used to their surroundings like the female lionesses that came to safari park for a while we had ropes up to desensitize them to the glass and to seeing people at that proximity yeah and sometimes there's barriers for reason it's not to take away from you it's you know like just said new animal introductions getting them used to new things um, we had some we're doing construction right now and a lot of things are fenced off and people get upset about that and it's you have to explain like you know hey we're doing this for a reason to benefit the animals and for you to get a better experience and it's hard and as a casual saying you cannot please everyone but you can at least educate them or you know try to explain them so they know what's going on in that way you know there's a justifiable reason like why you gotta do something or you know, like why you can't do something and it, it's tough it's tough i'll admit like it, i've had situations where people are very upset like why they can't see an animal or why can't i do this why can't i feed them or you're feeding them and i'm not and it's explained like there's a lot of training that goes into things like when i'm feeding a lion you know i might be far away close up it's a lot of training i go through you know and people might think it's easy it isn't but explain to people like this is why we do it. And this is why not everyone can do this is really important. And it's hard because a lot of people want that connection. Like I'm sure 
everyone wants in their life before they got to want to be like I want to be a zookeeper I want to do that or I wish I could do that and a lot of people want those memories like they see something on YouTube or, or something where an animal comes up and interacts into the glass you can have those memories they're not all going to be the same but you know tapping on the glass or trying to get up close to get the attention isn't always going to work like if anything you're going to stress out more the animal and the people <laughs> than really doing them good I and mean, that's something I recognize yes now how about bridging the animal because I know that some people like to bring their bridge yeah I I, not, not, I don't think I see not, it as much but I was yes, about to say I'm not sure if you've animals, seen anything like that present. but I never have I know that's a situation that happens with marine mammals um, especially with you know whistles and things like that like it's that's another thing where I feel like sometimes people just want that connection they want to feel like they're part of it and like I said when you're trained and you learn about what a bridge is and how to bridge you know you'll understand why it's so important to bridge and not to bridge sometimes um, unfortunately with our some animals I've seen where people reinforce them by doing, having to do things that they really don't want them to do and that can lead to frustration, aggression, which can then come back and hurt someone that's working there. Like, it's a slippery slope, like I said. I can see both sides. People want that experience. They want to get close to an animal. They want to be a part of that. But it's also, you have to respect and understand how things work. Um, I have seen some places where there's signage that says, like, hey, quiet zone, or please be respectful with these animals, especially with primates. Um, there used to be a sign a place I saw the head chimps and they were explaining like, hey, please be respectful to the animals and they will respect you because some people would like to make noise and get the chimps going and cause aggression, which was really kind of sad, you know. Like, when you come to a zoo and aquarium, in my opinion, this is my personal opinion, like, it's a really big privilege. There's a lot of people out there that never get to come see animals in a zoo and aquarium or can't afford or have the, you know, are able to do that are financially able to do that. So when you go, it's like, understand like this is a really big privilege. Like a lot of zoos are bringing you animals that you never get to see, never get to meet or know about, get up close to something you probably ever would in the wild. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but if you ever go to the wild and try to see some of the same animals, if you can even afford to go to like Africa or Asia to see this certain animal up close like this, I'd be very surprised. <laughs> so just something to think about like when you're in a zoo and aquarium, understand like, so you may not be able to see the animal that you wanted, but you're getting a chance to see the animal. Like, there's a lot of people that don't get a chance to do that or don't get to see it or even never even been to a zoo and aquarium. I've met some people that never, never even been to a zoo and aquarium and then they go, it's, you know, just amazing the experience, how people react. But like I said, there's two sides to every story. So someone might want to just get that nice, good up close wonderful snapshot photo that they can post and talk about but there's also the hey safety respect you know there's a danger for more than just you and the animal there's danger for everybody for that one so you know that's kind of my two piece on it <laughs> i recommend signing up for tours if you want to get that uh up close experience yes that is definitely a wonderful solution uh, we offer tours most zoos that I know of offer some up close tour and encounter. And those are really good um, experiences to get up close, get you that shot. I mean, sure, they cost a little extra money, but in my opinion, 
any tour you go on and get to meet the keepers and about the animals is definitely worth it. Um, even if you don't get to touch or feed the animal, just getting up close behind the scenes and seeing how it works. I think that's really important. Not everybody knows how behind the scenes works. Um, I know some places obviously are um, doing like TV shows like Animal Kingdom does like their video in that shape or, um, oh Lord, but the zoo, Zoo Tampa's doing filming behind the scenes and they're showing how everything works. So that's so really cool, but it's San also Diego. good to, yeah, the I Brock think it's zoo. also good to, yeah. Um, I think it's also good not only to see that, but also go for yourself and see it in person. Like, that's also really important. Like, seeing it on TV is one thing, but getting behind the scenes, really getting close, seeing that is also a really cool experience. Like, as I told myself every time, like, I go, I was on the TV watching Animal Planet and watching the animal, I go see it in person. I'm like, wow it's a lot bigger or it's a lot smaller. I didn't think they would be like this in person, you know? And that's what I think really helps build those connections, people to learn, understand, respect, and be more connected, but also understand like, oh, this is why I shouldn't do this, or this is why I shouldn't have this as a pet, or why I shouldn't feed this. And it just helps educate them. And the more education there is in teaching about it, the less incidents that will happen. Are there gonna be incidents people not thinking? Of course. This is 2023, as I tell myself, anything can happen. <laughs> but at least more people understanding it, it'll be better for everyone. You know, animals, people, workers, yourself, you know. It's overall, like, well-rounding people, you know. What's the most unexpected thing that you have uh, come to learn about the animals that you work with? Oh, that God, you that you never <laughs> thought of when you had seen these animals on TV or when you were a guest before you started working with animals. Um, I would say for sure, like me as a new keeper, still like just how much the animals respond to you from day one, as opposed to like now. Like I've been working as a zookeeper for over a year now. Like, just seeing their reaction to you and when you're training them, how much of a challenge it is, but also how amazing it is. Like, for example, I work with the hippos. Day one, the hippos weren't even really listening to me or doing anything. And now, over here, they're really responding to me. When we're doing training, you can see their brains ticking, like, they're coming over. But also just the, how they challenge me. Like, every day, they make me think, like, how do I work on this new behavior? How would I move them? How would I make their day more exciting? Like, I guess I never, in my mind, I was, you know, kind of being a little cocky, like, oh, it's easy to train, and all the people do it. We realize it isn't. Um, working with animals, it's it's amazing, but it's also like, wow, it's harder than you think to build a bond with a hippo or any animal or, you know, train something or just even moving them from inside to outside or asking for something so simple. It's just, I think that's the one thing I really didn't think of, like, how smart animals are. Like, I knew they're smart, but just how smart they really are, like them thinking or them figuring out what you want or even knowing what you're doing and just those little snippets of, wow, I never thought of that or wow, this animal showed me something I never knew. Um, that's something I think is just amazing. Um, so whenever, whoever, whatever animal you get to work with, whatever you get to do in your job and you start working with that animal, even if it's not your dream animal, just pay attention to just how they react and how smart they are because it'll amaze you. Like hippos, I honestly didn't think hippos are that smart, but working with them, I'm like, they are so smart. 
and they are like they legit like they think things they they definitely understand what you would like they definitely test you they are amazing in my opinion definitely just just seeing them like figuring out things or just any small change you make and them reacting to it like you just get so in tune with every little thing like i move something they react or a new person new sound new smell or just something new you do it's just so many little things to think about and again that's just one example one animal i'm sure people have had multiple experiences multiple animals anything shoot uh it could be even something small as a rat rats are smart but you know they are they they react to things you know it's just it's just crazy i love it just the little things in life like you just don't think it's gonna happen you're like wow i never knew take a step back and look you're like wow that's awesome (laughs) i hear you on that yeah yeah it's definitely one of those where you, you you don't think it until you actually do it and you're like, wow, you know, I would have never thought it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I've even I've even learned a few things myself. Oh yeah. You're never too old to learn and every day is a learning opportunity. And experienced well, I... people are learning something new, you know. Like I've learned a lot more about kangaroos and how those how kangaroos are. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've even learned about how uh, the East African crown crane eats vegetables. Mm-hmm. I did not think that they ate anything other than uh other than their regular diets which is uh actually what is a regular diet for a east african crown crane i believe they will peck at the ground at like small bugs like grain grasses and like other plants i believe <laughs> i never worked with crown cranes so i wouldn't exactly understand no but Animal diets are something cool. I learned that my hippos don't like celery. They have a great sense of taste. And they can be picky about fruits and vegetables. Whatever hippos, she don't like certain types of bananas. So even that, just those simple things, like you said, them eating, them liking certain things. Never a dull moment. And something I have also come to learn, and actually we both learned this, from Googling it as well, is uh, kangaroos hugging. I did not know that kangaroo hugging means that you're part of the mob. Yeah, it's just simple little animal behavior things that you pick up and you're like, wow, never would have known that. Especially when I get hugged by kangaroos. Don't try that kids. Yeah, don't 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 try that at home. Pretty well, sure there's intimidating at first. <laughs> Let's see, what else do we want to add? Well, um, we we pretty much have covered everything today. Like I said, there's lots of experiences, and as 
you guys go through, you know, your careers going through zoos or aquariums or whatever you decide to do, even if it's not animals, you're going to learn something new from yourself, like the people, everything. Like, you're going to learn something. I learn something every day. Everybody learns something every day. If you're not learning, that means you're not really doing your, you know, you're not doing your job. You're not really enjoying it. You're just going through the motions, in my opinion. <laughs> Uh, let's see. Is there anything cool that's happening at Bush Gardens? I know summer's coming up. Uh, and I know SeaWorld San Diego is, uh, coming out with a couple presentations. Well, the only real thing is we got our fireworks shows coming up. Um, summertime. I think we're still doing food and wine stuff. Um, another way else. Hey, everyone's different. Nothing wrong with a little drink here and there. Just be responsible as boys and girls. <laughs> We're not promoting drinking on this channel, just so you know. <laughs> yeah, no, thank you. <laughs> but, you know. But yeah, I think we covered everything. So, uh, the special guest that I will be interviewing later is None other than Hazel McBride. Uh, a little background about Hazel is that she is a former marine mammal trainer from Marine Land, France. And I am excited to interview her later this week. And we'll hear more from Hazel about her journey and how she's actually helping the next generation get into this animal field. So I'm excited. So, uh, Hazel, take it away. Yeah, for sure. Hello everyone. And Welcome to the Zookeeper Roadmap Podcast. I'm your host, Joseph, and today I have Hazel on. Hazel is the author of I Still Believe and the podcast host of No Words Such As Can't. Uh, how are you doing today, Hazel? I'm great. I'm so excited to sit down and chat to you. Thank you so much for having me on. You're welcome. Thank you for taking time out of your day. And uh, I think something that people probably would be interested in is how did you get into wanting to be a Murray mammal trainer and working with animals? Um, good question. Uh, surprisingly enough, you know, I didn't have any pets growing up. Uh, my mom was a nurse, so I wasn't really you know, exposed to animals per se really young. But she did take me um, on a trip to Orlando when I was eight and I got to go SeaWorld for the first time. And obviously growing up in Scotland, she took me to um, Glasgow Zoo, which unfortunately is closed now, uh, Edinburgh Zoo and also Blair Drummond Safari Park, where I actually started working with sea lions uh, when I turned 17. So she exposed me to exotic mammals in that way. And I definitely had a love of dolphins um, that she had always had. You know, I watched fl the Flipper movies and the Free Willy movies and I was obsessed with them. And my mom has always been obsessed with dolphins too. So 
I think her taking me to SeaWorld when I was eight was really the catalyst that kind of started everything. Yeah, I hear you on that. I remember my first trip to SeaWorld when I was five and watching Free Willy. It sticks with you. Oh, yeah, it does. Uh, so which uh, park did you start out at first? Marineland, France or Laurel Park? Um, I actually, well, with Killer Whales, I started off at Laurel Park, but before that, um, I worked with sea lions initially in Scotland, um, at Blair Drum and Safari Park, which was, that was, that was so much fun, actually. Um, you know, I was looking for volunteer opportunities because obviously to get into this industry, you need some experience beforehand. So being from Scotland, there were no cetaceans in human care. So I was kind of trying to figure out okay, how how am I going to make this happen? I started volunteering with the sea lions um, and just being able to work at a park that I had visited so much was like such a lovely full circle moment. I was, I remember having the radio on my waistband and just feeling kind of morally superior. <laughs> like I would walk through the guests with my radio and like my little fleece and be like, yeah, I'm a trainer, even though I was just a volunteer at that time. Um, and I loved it. And I would come home every Saturday night stinking of fish and my mum would be like get in the bath um so I started off volunteering there and then I did my final year research project on the sea lions there and then I got my first job in the Dominican Republic working with dolphins I worked there for a year and then after that I started working at Laurel Park in Tenerife with the killer whales I was there for two years and then I moved to Marineland after that what was the most rewarding or most difficult part of uh, working with marine mammals? Oh, that's a that's a that's a loaded question. Um, the most rewarding is probably the easiest to answer because there's there's so many rewarding parts. Um, you know, I think when I was a younger trainer, I would maybe have said, you know, the fulfillment of a goal or being able to you know, work in my dream job. But, you know, after a decade in the industry, it really is just the privilege of being able to be alongside these animals. You know, there are so few people in the world who will ever be face to face with a killer whale. Um, and just me now having those memories of I know what her skin feels like. I know what her eyes look like when she's, you know, feeling a certain way. I I can recognize her breaths, you know, that's such a huge privilege and to have an orca know you as well is um is incredible it's very humbling um but yeah it's it's such a privilege so that's that's definitely far and above the best part of the job you know yeah we get to educate people we get to inspire people we get to contribute to conservation and you know there's so many research projects that I've gotten to be involved in but at the core of it the thing that sticks with me are those little memories of the quiet moments just uh just being specifically with wiki because she was my will but with all of them um the hard well, did you ask what the hardest part of yeah. the job is okay there's i mean okay like i think a lot of people think oh you're working in a dream job so it must be amazing and you're happy all the time and a lot of people forget that it's still a job and it's still real life. And even if you have your dream job, there's still going to be all of those little personal things going on outside of it. So your life isn't magically going to be amazing. And I always thought it would be. I was like, oh, 
I'm aiming for killer reels as soon as I'm a killer reel trainer, you know, life will be perfect. Uh, it doesn't really work like that. So it took me a little while to understand that. And being far away from family is really hard. Um, you know, just you miss out on birthdays, you miss out on Christmases, you don't get to have your friends around you. You know, you can't just call someone up and say, hey, let's meet for coffee, you know, or go around to your mom's house for dinner. Uh, that was a really, really hard part of it for me. And I guess it kind of still is because I live away from my family, but at least I have my husband and my in-laws. Um, you know, having to work all hours is difficult. Personally, that never bothered me, again, because I was far away from family, but I know a lot of trainers who have kids um, and significant others struggled a lot more with that kind of intense work schedule. But again, if we forget about, you, you know, oh, you're up at the crack of dawn, you're there on your weekends, you're there all the time, you smell like fish, you have to work in a wetsuit and it's really hot. For me, the hardest part of being a trainer right now is the controversy and the way that trainers are perceived in the media, um, because all the other stuff is just part and parcel of the job. Um, but the hate that trainers receive online can really mess with you mentally. Um, and that's definitely difficult to overcome. Yeah, I see all the hate that that's online. I'm like, why are we putting these guys down? They're the ones that are taking care of the animals day in and day out. They miss. I mean, that's what you would think. Yeah. You would think that, you know, and I think I'm quite passionate about talking about that too. You know, we're all people that love the animals. So at the end of the day, we should technically be able to work together if that's where we're all coming from. Um, but I know that not everyone sees it that way. Yeah. And I, uh, so I work and then I also volunteer at this place called Nurtured by Nature. So I'm right there helping take care of like kangaroos, capybaras. Amazing. Yeah. So I know how it feels to like have that blood, sweat and tears to help take care of the animals. And it's it hits you too. It. Like it hits yeah. you too, especially like when you know how the animal normally um greets you and like if they're not feeling well yeah yeah it's such a big part of um our job as animal caregivers is to read animal behavior and you know be able to accurately interpret what's going on with our animals because at the end of the day our and don't this is not my quote I don't know who said it but um our quality of care is their quality of life um and I think that's an excellent mantra for any animal caregiver to carry through into their job yeah that is a very good uh quote there i like that uh is there any advice that you could give to listeners uh from your personal experience or like from uh what you've learned over the years Oh, well, that's a very broad question. <laughs> um, advice on, on what? On like how they would get uh, Murray Mammal Trainer uh, jobs or any kind of animal care jobs. Yeah, so basically, you know, you need a degree in a related field. Um, so they say psychology, but you can also have marine biology, 
straight biology, animal science, animal behavior, anything like that. Um, however, I know a lot of trainers that don't have degrees, and I know a lot of trainers who have just associates degrees. So it's not necessarily a hard and fast rule that you have to have a bachelor's degree in order to get a job as a trainer. So experience is a lot more important. So you need to be able to gain hands-on experience working with animals. So if you don't have access to cetaceans or even marine mammals, you know, try and volunteer at a cat and dog shelter or at a vet hospital or um, a barn, you know, if you can work with horses, for example. Um, think about if you do live near um, the ocean, if there are any whale watch tours that are going out that need help for the summer, if there are any naturalist positions, um, even just to educate, you know, on land, that can also look really good. Um, when I was in Scotland still looking for my own experience, again, there's no cetaceans in human care in Scotland. Um, I did two seasons on board Silurian, which is a small yacht that is used to research the marine mammals up in the north of Scotland with the Hebridean Whale and Dolphin Trust. So that's where I got some of my experience. And we were just, you know, doing photo IDs and we had a hydrophone in the water to monitor, you know, what was going on with all of the animals. And we got to see minke whales, common dolphins, white-beaked dolphins, seals, basking sharks, you know, there's so much wildlife out there. So I think sometimes if you think outside of the box a little bit, I think a lot of people can be very stuck on, oh, I have to intern, you know, I have to, I have to do internships. Well, that's not the only way, you know, you can volunteer one day a week at your local zoo or your local barn. You can get three weeks onboard research experience that will come um, on your resume and will build up your experience portfolio. Um, obviously, if you can afford to do internships and you're, you've got three months spare, which again is a privilege that not a lot of people have, um, that's going to be at all of the the bigger marine mammal um, parks. So you've got places like the George Aquarium, you've got, um, I think Discovery Cove and SeaWorld sometimes do. I don't know if they do internships anymore. Um, yeah, I don't think and, they do. And you, I think they've got their husbandry assistant positions uh, now that they use for that. Uh, you've got, you know, pretty much any and all facilities that have dolphins. You can find that on their website or you can find it on IMATA, which is the International Marine Animal Trainers Association. You can find job postings at imata.org, which can really help. And then also, if you get your scuba certification, you have to be scuba certified in order to be a trainer. Well, thank you, Hazel. I appreciate that. Yeah, you're welcome. Uh, anything else you want to leave listeners with or uh, any favorite stories you want to share? um about the whales sure i mean you know there's there's so many fun moments throughout the years um funny little tales of doing enrichment with them you know and so much fun with my co-workers too you know just being silly with the animals you know i remember one year me and my friend gwen were um crazy about those big um like you know in a in like a swimming pool if you what do you call them like floaties inflatables yeah. um and we bought them because we were we had we shared a day off in the summer so we went to the pool together one week uh one day of the week all summer and she had a big unicorn and I had a big flamingo 
Um, and we said for the whole summer, okay, at the end of the summer, we are going to take these into work and we are going to do enrichment with the whales. Um, and because they were so flimsy, obviously, for safety reasons, you're not allowed to have those inflatables in the pool with the whales. But we were like, okay, we'll go in the pool beside them and we'll take like um, a bucket of ice cubes and jello and we will just like do some fun enrichment um, with the whales so that they can see like this unicorn and flamingo. Um, so we did and it was ridiculous and I don't think the whales cared very much, but we had fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can just imagine the whales like, what is going on over there? Yeah, I think Kayo was pretty interested, actually. Um, I don't think the other three were particularly bothered. They were they're very used to us just being a bit silly all the time. So if they're not in the mood for it, they're just gonna be like, ah, eh, no, we're just gonna we're just gonna swim by ourselves. But yeah, enrichment is like as long as you can be creative, like enrichment can be anything and and everything and you know, yeah, we would make frozen frisbees out of jello. We would make obviously the big ice cakes for their birthdays, um, which is always really fun. You know, seasonal enrichment is probably my favorite type just because I get really into it creatively. So it's selfishly quite fun for me. And then the animals get to benefit from it. Um, yeah, there's just there's so many moments. That's pretty cool. Well, we definitely thank you, Hazel. And Hope to have you on sometime soon in the future as well. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. It's been great to chat. You're welcome. Thank you. Wow, great interview, uh, Hazel and Joseph. Awesome job on that interview. Yes, thank you so much, Hazel, for that. Greatly appreciate your uh, time uh, talking with Joseph and giving us some information about all that cool important stuff that we need to hear more and more <laughs> and it's awesome to have people that have worked in the field to come on the show and talk about their experiences as well mm -hmm. and with that we appreciate and thank everyone for joining us and if you guys have any questions, comments, uh, suggestions for us, uh, feel free to call or text our number, 407-900-5309. You can even email us at SeaWorldSplashTeam at gmail.com. Uh, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, follow us on Instagram. Follow us on Snapchat. Uh, if we have Snapchat, that is. Yes, we have Snapchat. Oh, good thing we knew that. Let's <laughs> well, uh, day, like I said. Yeah, I think I covered all the social media bases and all the contacts. So, um, oh yeah, also subscribe to us on iTunes. Or YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast or a favorite uh, show. <laughs> awesome. well, thank you so much for listening, guys. Hope you have a great rest of your week or day, year, whichever way. Have a good one, everyone. We thank you for joining us. 
And if you guys want any more tips or tricks or just want to have any questions answered on how to become zookeepers, you can call or text our number. That is 407-900-5309. You can even give us a like on Facebook. That is facebook.com forward slash zookeeper roadmap podcast. You can even follow us on Instagram. That is zookeeper underscore roadmap underscore podcast. Or you can follow us on Twitter at ZRMP underscore podcast. Also, don't forget to subscribe to us on iTunes to stay up to date with tips on how to become zookeepers. And subscribe to us on YouTube. That is youtube.com forward slash zookeeper robot podcast. That's all one word. And from all of us here on the Zookeeper Robot Podcast team, we thank you for joining us and hope you join us for the next amazing podcast to come. See you guys next time. Thanks for joining us. Stay tuned for more tips and tricks on how to become zookeepers with Joseph and Sheldon. See you guys next time.